When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, AJ, Megan, coming at you live. Going to be answering some questions from listeners today. So uh, if you have your questions, most of them are already submitted on Twitter, but I'm sure we'll get to some live Twitter and chat questions as well. So, yeah, it should be a fun day. You good? Yeah. Okay. My uh, I got my foot too close to my space heater, which keeps my little feeties warm during our shows. But mm. if I get it too close, it's too hot and it burns my foot. Do be how heaters work. I know. That's what I'm saying, man. And <laughs> I hate when I hate when my feeties are cold. It's so annoying. I my feet are like just always cold. I've just gotten used to it over the years. So I just live with it, I guess. Uh, I used anyway. to, and then somebody pointed out to me how crazy it was that I was living the way that I was, where I was, like, cold all the time. <laughs> and so I got a space heater and was like, oh, my God, this has fixed my whole problem here. <laughs> and, you know, now now I use it on a rig. I just can't get my foot too close to it, otherwise it hurts. All right, well... Let's get anyway. into answering some questions. Uh, before we do, man, we got to remind people that we've got the big event tomorrow. Ah, of course. Yes, tomorrow. It's the last day you can, uh, well, I guess technically you could buy a ticket tomorrow morning, but uh, less than 48 hours uh, to our. 24? I guess it is less it's, than It's 48. like 28 hours. Yeah, we're yeah. like at 28, man. Yeah. To uh, the LaCroix hockey event that we're putting on at the bar tomorrow, it will be. Technically, before the game, doors open at 4 p.m. During the game and post-game, a bunch of ABS alumni will be hanging out at the DNVR bar. You can come down, say hi, get stuff signed, see a bunch of awesome stuff. We'll also have a bunch of them on the watch-along and things like that. So be sure to tune in. There will be a big old silent auction going on at the event as well at the bar. Yeah. You can buy all sorts of amazing signed stuff. The like a silent auction is legit, man. It's got... Yeah. Tickets to a suite for a game this season. Uh, it has a... Uh, there's only one of these jerseys in existence. Uh, and it is the 400 consecutive sellout uh, Avs jersey. Uh, it's signed by Adam Foote and Milan Hayduk. Uh There's a 1996 official Stanley Cup champs t-shirt signed by the entire team. So yeah. that's, at this point going to be a lot harder to find um there's also a signed mckinnon stick a signed mccarr puck 
and a Stanley Cup, a 21-22 Stanley Cup champs team signed pennant. So, so if you don't care about the old abs and you just want signatures from the ones that just won the cup, that's there too. Lots so, of awesome stuff, um, for sure. Yeah. Given given the price of a ticket, uh, is as low as it is just to walk in the door. You're probably going to be bidding quite a bit more on really really awesome items like that. So, uh, and that money goes to Laqua Hockey. Yep. All you know, proceeds in, in go honor of Pierre's back legacy. In. Yep. So. And there is a limit to the number of tickets that we can sell. So I'm encouraging people to buy sooner rather than later, even yep. not waiting until tomorrow morning. Uh, just because we do have to stop at some point to give people a great chance to actually talk with the players during the game. Yep. Yeah. So it's going to be pretty cool. Megan, you have, uh, you have some in-game events that you're going to be doing. Rudo and I are going to be on the watch along talking to some players and it'll, it'll be a cool night at the bar. I'm, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be really neat. Yep. It's- I'm excited. To, honestly, I'm really, I'm really excited to talk to Milan Hayduk again. Uh, because last year we talked to him about last year's team and yep. the mentality they needed to adopt to win the cup and then talk to him this year about what it was like to watch that journey for them and how life changes once you win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> well, it should be fun. I hope all y'all can join us. Tickets are just $30. You can get them on the dnvr.com to get in the door. So, be sure to come on down, say hi to some ex-avs, a uh, bunch of awesome names, including Hayduk. Uh, John Mitchell will be there. Uh, Steven Reinprecht and Peter Budai of currently tied to the team as coaches and or skills consultants or whatever you want to call them. They are both development coaches. There you go. That's the right term. So come down, say hi to the peoples. Uh Okay. Can that be uh, part of my job title, too? Can I be a part-time, can I be partly a development coach? Do you develop us? As I I help Jesse and and Megan develop into, I don't know, media personalities. I don't really Um, do much there, but I just (laughs) just want the title. You you can be whatever you want. Call yourself whatever you want, as far as I'm concerned. Sick. I'm putting that in my next contract, development coach. You're going to have, like, a... 50 name title. Yeah. By the end. <laughs> hey, yes. Part-time <laughs> development coach. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's get into some questions here. Uh, first question comes from Eddie. What is the best hockey number? Four. I've always liked three. I, my answer feels cliche, but it actually isn't because before I was a hockey person, my favorite numbers were both one and nine. And so 19 was the super number in my eyes. It's why I like players who individually wear numbers with ones or nines too. But even a 91 is satisfactory, but there's just something about the number 19 that I've always really appreciated. It's a good hockey number, that's for sure. Hockey, hockey history has also appreciated 19. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and I nine. Before, before I was a hockey person, those numbers are just elite numbers. All right. The super number 19 confirmed. Um, all right. Four was always my number, and it was Rob Blake's number, and that's what I cared about. My number used to be eight. 
and then it got taken from me when I switched teams at one point. So I switched to three. Did you fight that kid? No. Why not? I you got to fight for choice. what's yours. I didn't have the choice to fight for that, so it was wow. fine. Also, I, it's just a number. There should have been a midday duel to the I've death. never, never actually cared about my number. I was just like, cool, I still get to play. Just put whatever number on my back. It's fine. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> keep moving. Uh, a lot of different answers from the chat. We've got 11, 7, 2, 5, 25, another 19. There's a 33. I mean, yeah, lots of... Pretty pretty eclectic. <clears throat> yeah, pretty wide range. I mean, it would be weird if everybody was like 19 and then we all just stopped, right? What's the what's the least like common numbers in the NHL? It's got to be something in like the, the 70s 50s, or 80s. 50s and 60s. You think? You don't you don't ever see 50s and 60s in the in hockey. Yeah, you're I I guess you're right about. Like, remember the... when Gabe Bork was 57 and was like, "Whatever, I'm not going to be here long enough for I it feel to like matter." There's been some 50s. I feel like there's been some 50s. I I feel like there's a lot less 60s though. Yeah, 50s the are 60s, like pretty unique. The 60s feel like the absolute wasteland. That's the that's the they like assign it to Alex Bocage in his draft year, right? Like, yeah, they assign it to the guy where they're like, "This guy has no chance to make the team. He's at the end of the roster here." Uh, and then, like, we'll just let it be. You, like I'm trying. you occasionally get some. Like, I think Neil Yakupov wore, like, 64. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think right now. Lecky's 62. Catter's 61. Yeah. 61, yeah. I mean, I guess that's more than I thought, but... Let's see. Hold on. I'm pulling up the, the historical <laughs> thing. They gave me 62 in youth hockey, and I couldn't even aspire to be anyone with that number. Uh, <laughs> Annanen wore 60, as did Jose Theodore. Jose 80, Theodore. 84? I thought Peter Mueller wore 84. Or was that? No, it was 88. Yeah, that was 88. Yeah, 88's a pretty common number. The double numbers. I feel like the double numbers are common. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, 60. 60's Pretty empty. Yakupov did War 64. Uh, Keaton Middleton War 67 for his one call up. Kirk War 68 now. There you go. 50 has foot, obviously, but beyond that. Yeah, there's. There's Anton Lindholm was 54. Obviously, McLeod was 55. David Jones. I think he was 54. Yeah, he, he, was 54. he was 54 as well. McDermott is 56. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah, Derek Morris at 53. 80s are pretty slim besides 88. I mean, it's, a, it's an actual... Let down that there is no 69, that there's not like an illustrious history of 69. <laughs> it tr- like it truly is an actual letdown. You know, Kate is in the chat joking that she doesn't want to actually say it, but look, 16, there should be a long, like, storied history of the number 69. There's too many Lula Amarillos who would make you change your number, and and instead, it's just like. 
It's like a wasteland. Nobody wants to take it. Like, come on. <laughs> All right. Anyway. If you get drafted first overall, you should be required to wear 69. <laughs> Moving on to the next question. Uh, and a question we talked about briefly before the show. Uh, how big of a problem do the Avs have at five on threes? So we didn't know. Uh, we were actually, we did not know. Uh, and I don't actually still have them in front of me. But we went through the last seven seasons, I guess six plus the start of this year, to yeah. see if the Avs have actually been bad at it. They have not been. Um, the reality here is that uh, teams just don't do it very often. Uh, I think the, the most that the Avs had ever had it in a single season was 13. Uh, and they only they only scored a couple of goals on it. But... Uh, Percentage-wise, they've never been very good at it. They've never been bad at it. They've always been kind of right in the middle uh, in that, like, mid-pack uh, yep. of the league. So uh, I was curious about it. Uh, I went back and looked and, and finally dug through the numbers. I didn't even know where to find them. I had to, like, Google where to find them. And then once I once I got an answer on where to, where to go, like, it's just NHL.com, by the way. Uh, but you have to like dig through some filters and in, in order to actually get to it, it's it's pretty well hidden. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, they don't really have that big of a problem at, at five on three. Well, and it's hard to even really take those stats that seriously because yep. they have over the past six seasons they have like forty seven attempts. <laughs> at five on three so like even if all of those were full two minutes which they're not you're looking at like less than a hundred minutes of hockey there (laughs) right and you are talking like how many five on threes are like 11 seconds long right exactly and it's like oh well you're over one on a five on three well you didn't score on a five on three so does that mean you deserve to lose or is it like where's the line of demarcation for the if you don't score on a five on three you deserve to lose how long does the five on three need to be? Is it at yeah. least a minute? Um, because five seconds for sure. But. That's that's where it's like I have no, um, yeah. It doesn't because even I can I can look this up and um, if you look at uh, I've so I've got last year's pulled up. The Avs had. The Evs had 12 five-on-three opportunities that spanned nine minutes. Yeah. So maybe (laughs) it might be more accurate to say they played nine minutes at five-on-three than it is to say they had 12 opportunities. Yeah. For the record, the most five-on-three time on ice last year was Detroit at 14.36, and they scored four goals. Yeah. So it's just... It just doesn't happen long enough to be a significant sample size for any team. Yeah. I think the only team that you can really say was really, really great at five on three last year was Edmonton. They were five of nine. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's very good. You know, that's a combination of they actually scored a handful of goals, but they actually had some chances. I'm not giving Columbus's two for four a lot of burn there. 50%, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they spent they spent one minute and twenty nine seconds on five on three in their four <laughs> opportunities. 
even the two they didn't score on were like 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah. couldn't have been very long at all. <clears throat> so, um, and and I so I just to say like one, you don't teams almost never practice five on three because it is again we're talking the most that a single team had all of last season was 14 minutes across an 82 game season. They spent 14 minutes in that situation. They so teams almost never practice it. It's super niche. You basically run your power play. But you just have one less defense. You like get closer to the to, to everything. Everybody takes a step forward, right? Like you get a little bit closer uh, on five on three. So it's it's not really a thing that the teams practice. They don't really make major adjustments to it. Um, it's kind of a it's it's weird because it's such an advantage, but it's also like it's one as we're talking about. It's a very limited amount of time. Rarely do you see the two minutes. Uh, like what Colorado got the other day. Uh, and then, you know, you can also do, like we look at the abs, the five on three the other day, I thought was pretty good. They just didn't score. Like, yep. they had a couple of, they had a couple of really good scoring chances and the goalie just made a better, you know, made a better play. And that's that. So. A long way to say, I guess I just don't think that they have like a problem with it. Yeah, agree. Uh, okay, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get yours at your local liquor store when you use the Breck Beer Locator online, or of course, you get eight different kinds on tap down at the DNVR bar. So you can come check that out. Uh, also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Go over there. Use code DNBR when you sign up for a new account. With that account, you can bet $5 on any NBA team to win their next game. If they do, you get $200 in free bets. So I don't know if uh, you guys know this, but sometimes there's games in the NBA that are like gimmies. So it's really easy to get those $200 in free bets. And once you get that, you can take those. It's eight $25 bets, which you can bet on anything on the website, basically. Uh, and have some fun with it. Mess around. Bet on the abs. Don't bet on the abs. Bet on crazy sports like High Lie that AJ was getting into the other day. Uh, I've been into I've been into High Lie since I was like younger. Sure. First time I ever heard of it, I was like, "This isn't a real sport." And then I got to see it played live, and I was like, "This is the most amazing sport." <laughs> anyway, High Lie rules. It's an option. Uh, check it out at DraftKings. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Answering some questions today. Uh, This is kind of a two-parter. First, he talks about, some say the Sedins... Uh, had, don't have the counting stance to make the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, what do we think about the Sedins? Should they make it? Well, they've already made it, but anyway. Uh, and two, are there any other borderline Hall of Fame cases that you think should get in for their uniqueness to the sport? I think they used Kessel as the example. They did, yeah. I don't know that I have an opinion on this. Fair enough. Um, I just, 
<clears throat> hockey, hockey already has such wide parameters yeah for making it into the hall um that i don't know like force of personality like does phil kessel get to be in the hall of fame <laughs> because of that all-time great tweet that he sent during the olympics the year that he didn't get to make the team uh where they left him at home and he was like oh i should have this funny feeling i should be somewhere right now but <laughs> can't explain it or whatever and it was hilarious um but I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know that I have an so, opinion on this. I, the thing is, like, I feel like a lot of the unique talents might just get in anyway, because Kessel's approaching a thousand points if he plays another year or two. Uh, someone like Joe Pavelski, a person who really brought deflections and and just a raw ability to tip the puck maybe is the closest thing I can think of to like a borderline guy that had one particular skill. Yeah. I mean, Pavelski's Pavelski's this, the, the late career push. Yeah. You know, where he's totally found another level in a really high scoring environment. Obviously scoring around the league has gone up. So some of these guys are having, crazy jumps right uh in in their production but joe i mean joe pavelski's like 38 and still doing this yeah so you do wonder about a guy like that where it's hate can that longevity just we've t- we've talked about how there are some guys that you know a guy like pavelski you don't think of as a hall of famer and then you get to the end of his career and you're like God, he played till he was forty. He was a point per game player late in his thirties. Like maybe you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't. The Hall of Fame to me, I think, I don't know. I guess I just don't have many thoughts on this. Doing a lot of talking for having nothing to say. Go ahead. I think if you know, maybe there are a few players presented to consider. Like they might have suggested Kessler, or did you say um, Phil Kessel? Yeah, it was Kessel. Yeah, Kessel. Okay. okay, that makes sense. Um, it would be easier to answer because just taking a shot at the dark at players who might have that unique quality. I think longevity is definitely a real quality that we've talked about as a merit to be in consideration for Hall of Fame, but by itself is not enough. And that's sort of where I would stand to um, generally. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, there's it's hard to be a unique experience to a certain extent in hockey. Obviously, yeah, chat's talking about Pierre Turgeon. Obviously, he should be in. There's a handful yeah. of of all-time snubs to the Hall of Fame. But Yeah, I and the Turgeon thing makes no sense. Yep. He was a, he was a great player. He was the best player on his team for many, many years. He's a point per game player over the course of his career. He played yep. well over a thousand games. Like <sighs> McGillney is another one that I think has always been overlooked as well. Uh, those yep. two guys, I don't get it. Yep. I don't. Uh, Pierre Turgeon way more so than Alexander McGillney, but I don't get it. Um. Okay. We had a ton of questions about trades ranging from Ryan O'Reilly or Jonathan Taves to Bo Horvat to <sighs> other options as well. Uh. <laughs> 
I, trade front stuff, just generally. I'm not going to go over each of these one by one, but one, at this point, do we see the Avs making a significant move this year, or is it still very much up in the air? It's still I think. Sorry, go ahead. Go no, go ahead. It's all you. I was going to say that it still feels just a little bit up in the air. Uh, and I guess too, I would ask if we considered what they did at the deadline last year to be big moves or not. Um, I think the what the Avs gave up probably didn't feel big at the time, just because it pulled from the prospect pool, um, and they are pretty asset poor in that regard this season. So I don't know that something like that would play out. So it feels like if they were to make a big trade for a big return. Um, it it would involve something a little bigger than what we saw last year. But looking at when that happened at the deadline, that's still kind of where I'm pinning that to be when the abs a couple months before that would be considering making that type of move. So it still feels just a little bit too soon because reinforcements are supposed to be on the way with some healthy people returning to the lineup. And I think that will better decide what their needs are. Um, I think the 2C conversation is a very fair one that will probably still be on the table in a few months time. Um, just because even with the flexibility that we see with guys getting healthy and returning to the lineup, that still looks like it will be a question. I think the depth though is going to have some more options. Um, once guys get healthy, then that part of the lineup uh, gets bolstered from guys who were playing up before that kind of thing. So the short answer is I still feel like it's just a little too soon, but it's not outside the realm of possibility to be considering this. Okay. Uh, I would say in this very moment, they very obviously need to make a deal, but this isn't the moment and this isn't the team that they're going to walk into the postseason with. So right now, honestly, doesn't really matter that much um, in, this, in this regard. They do need to wait and see what they look like when healthy. I do. Th- I agree with Megan. The 2C thing is just going to continue to linger. And we're probably going to talk about it approximately 16,000 more times over the next few months. No doubt. Um, it, the only way the only way it stops being a thing is if Evan Rodriguez steps up into that job and not just does a good job, but does an exceptional job and ends all conversation about it. Um, for me, Bo Horvat doesn't make any sense. Uh, that's a guy that's going into free agency in his 20s. Uh, is also, at least for right now, having an insanely good season, uh, driven largely by shooting percentage, but whatever. Um, at the moment, would probably cost you your first-round pick in Sean Barron's. Um, if you think that that's a fine price for a, a second-line center that you have zero chance of keeping, uh, then, you know, okay. But... Um, for me, I think that's a, that's a hard fucking no. Uh, I'm not even remotely interested in that. Uh, as much as I love, like, Bo Horvat is like this dude that I have loved forever. So, uh, as much as I personally would be into that, uh, I just think that's bad. Um, O'Reilly, I don't think will actually be available. So, I mean, it's like, it's fun to watch the Blues lose at the, uh, start of the season. But I don't think that they will continue to be there, uh, and I don't. I don't think that they will. Um, I don't. I, I just 
don't think he'll actually be on the table. Jonathan Taves has always been the easy answer for me. Um, and it was really, uh, I'm not that interested in it until the season started. Just because Jonathan Taves has played really, really good hockey so far this year. He's been Chicago's best player. Uh, and the price of acquisition just wouldn't be very expensive for a pending UFA that's 34 years old. Um, your chance of keeping him if things go really well for you and he can transition into the twilight of his career from a 2C to a 3C, that could be on the table. Um, that that could be a thing. And then you do, you do start scouring the bottom of the league and you start looking around. You know, you say, is there a guy in Montreal? I know that Jonathan Duran, and I know he's not a center. Um, I know Jonathan Duran is a guy that Abs fans talk about literally every single year. Uh, Sean Monahan's on an expiring deal. Um, Elon is not going to give me back my Twitter. I tried already. Uh, also, that staff probably has all been fired for having opinions too. Um, but no, you do look around. Boone Jenner from Columbus is a guy that you would have to wonder, especially with the centers that, that the Blue Jackets have in Stillinger and Johnson that are like up and coming. Roslovic as well. Uh, would Boone Jenner be a guy that could be made available? We all know that the Avs in Columbus have this never-ending whatever, right? Like, this they're forever tied together until the Avs stop acquiring former Columbus players. <clears throat> um, so I think that's where that's where you probably do look and and say, hey, is there is there a fit here? Can some of this make sense? Um, obviously, varying degrees on those players, like where those guys are, how they would fit in Colorado, all very very different. So, um, you know, I just don't think that I, I don't think there was a single name on that list that makes me really excited. But you can understand where the appeal would be. And and the reason why I always go back to Taves is because I think it's just the one that's the easiest to do. Chicago's asking price would be the lowest for him. Um, and and like the things like the, the leadership conversation where he fits into your where he fits into your team, where he fits into your style. How like what are his strengths even at this point of his career versus what the Avs do well as a team? I, all of those things, they're just really easy natural fits. Uh and and I think that he would give you that that the 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 face off ace that we've kind of talked about would be nice to have around. Um yeah, it's maximum veteran sauce. It really is. Like, it's the max. Like, it doesn't get any more veteran sauciness than Jonathan Taves, uh, where he checks he checks all the boxes. He's got championship experience. He's later in his career. He's seen everything that can can be seen in a career. And you know, the the player on ice, he's also having a bit of a a bit of a bounce back year this year. You know, and and I think that that's an important element to this because my lack of interest at the start of the year was. Jonathan Taze hasn't been very good for a couple of years, but he's off to, he's off to a good start. If he continues to play quality hockey, my interest is there. If it takes a nosedive, my interest goes away. Right. But even if even if my interest goes away, it's not hard to look at it and say, on paper, we get it. Uh, a team that is not asset heavy in the Avalanche, you know, trading a third round pick a couple of years from now. You know, maybe a second round pick. If if it has to get to a second round pick, if it's really competitive, I don't think it will be because the money is going to be a really hard thing 
for anybody to make work. Um, it's a lot. It, maximum retention. It's still a lot of money to fit in under the cap. Um, and and I I don't know how many teams he's going to be interested. I believe he's got control over that process. Um, and so I don't know how many teams he'd be interested in going to. I don't think it's going to be like just any old like, well, you know, this, you know, Minnesota, whatever, um, is going to push for a playoff spot. So he'll he'll go there just because they're close to the postseason. He could probably have uh, control of the process to the point where he gets to pick. These are the two or three best teams that are calling with offers. These are the only teams that I'll go to, you know, a Colorado or a Boston or, you know, somebody else at the top yeah. of the standings at the time. Uh, okay. Next question. Uh, favorite goal scored from the playoffs. God, this is a hard one. I think uh, this is probably among a few people's favorites, but the Kadri overtime goal that he didn't immediately realize in game four of Tampa was in um, that the rest of the team did or the Burakovsky goal that went directly through the net in the national series. Both very good answers. <laughs> Such an awesome goal to watch back. So clearly a goal. And we were all like, <laughs> I remember that watch yeah. along where we were just like, ah, did, what? Did that go in? That's a goal, right? And <laughs> like, we were all sitting around upstairs looking at each other like, are we all high? What just happened? <laughs> yeah, it was, that was a great goal. That's a, that's a great ball. Yeah, the the lucky OT winner to send him to the cup, I think, is up there for me. It was just so, like, you could see it and you knew it. Yeah. Like, when he got that puck on his stick and the entire net is empty and Mike yep. Smith is like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, you just, you were like, they're going to the cup final. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then he <laughs> yeah. scores and you're like, and then they're, they do that, like, review for the high stick because it is close to being yep. a high stick. Uh, and it was like tense moments because you're like this is a thing what's <laughs> happening here uh yeah that's a great mm, i like that one too <laughs> i don't i think for me the two that the two that i look back on um with the most fondness for now you ask me again tomorrow and this would be a totally different answer <laughs> um but Josh Manson's game one overtime winner yeah, over uh, over St. Louis. And it's not about the goal itself. It's entirely about the little jump that he does <laughs> and the way that Sam Gerrard like, is like the world's most Jumps intense into his arms. Yeah. pirate. <laughs> like, like dive bombing Josh Manson with joy. Uh, and it was, it was the celebration after that goal yeah. where the Avs had fucking dominated the Blues, and Jordan Bennington played out of his mind and got so lucky multiple times in that game uh, that the Avs just boofed scoring chance after scoring chance. Sound familiar? <laughs> uh, and and that was the one that went in, like, and Josh Manson. And it was, like, not just, like, he got the puck and just, like, throws it to the net, but he, like, made the move intentionally to wait it. for I... the – yeah, for the shooting lane to open up. Like, it was it was awesome. And Sam Gerrard was seven feet tall in mid-jump. Like, 
you don't see dudes like take to the air uh well, on hockey skates like that and the mic'd up version is there's not a single coherent word from anybody on the oh yeah i'm just going like hey, it's just white noise <laughs> it's all it is like you could have you could put that into a white noise machine and people would sleep <laughs> like it was just nonsense so it was that it was that one uh and then the darren helm one uh yeah. the darren helm game winner against st louis was for me different because i was i was not on the watch along i had left to pee <laughs> uh and then while i was downstairs Comfer scored yep and uh so i was like well now i'm down here and so I was pacing downstairs. I was pacing back and forth at the end of it. And I think it was just so shocking. We were all resigned to overtime. Yep. And the play, like, it's Eric Johnson bringing the puck up the ice. You know, like, you're you're just like, this hasn't been a dangerous thing in two or three years now. He passes it to just nobody, kind well, of. Well, and he just... Well, and and I think it's LOC. He gives yeah, it to LOC, right. and he LOC just LOC, yeah. he just throws it into space, and yeah. it comes off the wall, and you're just like, okay. And then it's like Darren Helm, who scored like only a couple of goals last year, and you're not thinking as in any way a dangerous factor here, and he just smokes that thing, <laughs> and it it just it rot, and 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 like the shock of it, and then. I got to tell you the schadenfreude of watching TikTok later with uh, with that Blues fan in the background going, no, no, no. <laughs> that was that was the that I watched that clip a lot and laughed a lot during their pain. Um, <laughs> sports make bad people out of all of us. Um, and so I think that's probably the one like that's that's the one that I think I really and me me like all three of Nazem Kadri's fuck you goals to the city of St. Louis. Yeah, for sure. Like, because after the first one, he was like, you know, he like cups the ear and he's like, what's up? I know y'all hate me. But by the third one, it was like full on. Like, he's like pimp walking on the ice, right? Like, it's like yep. the strut is on. Like, it's the whole thing was just so, so satisfying. We're bordering on our favorite goal from the playoffs was all of them at this point. <laughs> I, you know, I will just say really underrated for me. Uh, but the seven, nothing goal against Tampa Bay, the Kale McCarr coming down sh- or six, nothing goal. I think, yeah, I think. Uh, where he comes down shorthanded and is still attacking. And you're just like, bro, what are you doing? And he just goes down and scores a shorthanded goal because he's just like, well, it's just, it's just what I do. And that, that was like a, these dudes are stone cold killers. Like that was that one of those moments where you're just like, okay, no mercy. Yeah. Um, okay. If you want to be in the building for some of those events, use game time. Uh, you can get, Tickets up to 60% off at game time. There's a link down in the description of the video that you can use to get over there. Over 15 million people have used it. If you use the link, it helps us out too. So be sure to do that. You get tickets to the abs, of course, but tickets to all Colorado sports and all sports across the country, no matter where you are. So be sure to get in on game time and get those amazing deals. Highly recommend you check them out. Uh, Yeah, some of the best prices out there possible for sporting events so game time download the app today and again use that link in the description uh help us out 
third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, multiple people asked this. What happens if too many players on a team get injured? Like, there are only so many people that you can call up, right? And there's a couple of facets to this. Um, so, theoretically... If they run out of contracts, yeah, so, theoretically, so in, in, you could hit the in, 50 contract limit if you have 30 injuries. <laughs> if you have 31 injuries, you couldn't ice a full 20 man roster. Okay, so we are we are talking about like an epidemic has taken hold, yeah, here. like I, the number of injuries that you would have to hit to actually yeah. get to this point would be insane. Um, so that's not really realistic. The more realistic situation you're talking about is like if enough injuries happen and cap stuff gets weird, that is where the emergency call-up system comes into play, where if enough people get hurt and you play with like 16 people for a game, you then are allowed some cap relief to call up a like league minimum level player. Yeah, it's like an emergency call where the guy doesn't count against the cap or you like he gets called up and it's like he costs you zero dollars for that game. Yep. But you have um, to play at least one game just short of dude to get yeah. that. I I will tell you it's been a few years since I understood the emergency call up because COVID changed all of it. it where did. they were just emergency call ups were left and, and I was like, I no longer have any idea what an emergency call up is. I just don't know anymore. <laughs> and I don't know that those rules have even changed um, since COVID. Like, I really, yeah. they they might still be going with their super double secret YOLO system, and I don't know it. Um, because I, there, there are times where the emergency thing gets used as a designation, and I'm like, how? The Why? Is- the Eagles do not cancel games when half their team gets called up to the abs. They just call up people from the Grizzlies. Yeah, so the Eagles have the farm system of the Grizzlies in the ECHL. They have a bunch of guys on AHL contracts that are down there uh, in the ECHL. Now it so has... they have like their own farm system. Now, if the Grizzlies get hurt, I don't know what those guys do. So I back when the Eagles were in the ECHL and I was covering them, there were a couple games where it was like, okay, they signed this dude out of the SPHL who's trying to fly here tonight so they can have seven forwards for this game. Yeah. And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> it gets pretty rough. And when you're digging into the SP- SPHL, you are... Uh, you're talking... You're, you're getting into some dreamers. Yeah. You're getting into some, some guys hanging on that are still playing the game because they just love it. Yep. Not so much guys that should be getting paid real money for it at that point. But you appreciate the you appreciate the love for the game, right? Oh, for sure. There's and it's been... super cool for those guys to get a call where that's like, yeah, sure. Oh, totally. I you know, I think there's been one SPHL player to actually make the NHL goaltender. Um never skater has never made it higher than the AHL if they've played in the SPHL, which like it, the dudes that make it to the AHL made a career out of it, so that's sick for them. But yeah, it's a long way to go from the SPHL to, you know, even the AHL. Yeah, it is. Um, 
Next question comes from our guy Travis, who asks, would you rather fight a bear after hibern- hibernation or Megan after someone talks bad about one of the team's goalies? Give me the bear. <laughs> bear can't grip a knife, right? So I think a bear could. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it could use it very effectively. I watched enough of that show uh what was it alone where they have to go out and survive for as long as they can in like the alaskan wilderness or something (laughs) a couple of those people juked bears so i'm taking the bear i'm not juking megan megan would just murder me and that would suck see the thing is like if i shoot a bear i feel like i could convince people that it's like Okay, I I was defending myself. If I shoot Megan, I'm going to prison. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that you're going to make it to prison. That's true. I'll, someone will just murder me for yeah. shooting Megan, probably. Exactly. <laughs> the, the pitchforks will come out, and they will be on fire. <laughs> I would also take the bear. <laughs> just to stay sharp. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep your skills up to date. Just oh god. Kill stuff. <laughs> oh no. Good, good training. Yeah. Let's see. Megan regularly killing bears, so I'm definitely taking the oh, bear. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out instead of Grasshopper Hotel, it was Grasshopper Gateway. Because it was a <laughs> gateway to her killing a lot worse over the over the years. This is this is a slippery slope, guys. <laughs> Everything is. <laughs> Uh, if you could bring back any Avs prospect, uh, who would it be and why from any prospect that's left the org? I'm assuming this is like recently. That's actually what I wondered too. If it's like a player that still sort of fits the bill of the prospect or if it's a player that was once a prospect but is now pretty solidified. AJ's or like going back in Avs history. And well, yeah, because I'm like, well, Johnny Boychuk would be such a great fit. Like, prime Johnny Boychuk on this Avalanche team would be such a great fit. Like, sorry, Josh Manson, I'm already replacing you. But, <laughs> like, I would have loved to have gotten to see what, like, Johnny Boychuk, the career that he had. The Avs gave him four games, and we're like, we're good. Like, one of their biggest, like, we did the all the work forward, here. no less. We did all the work here, and then they like fail right at the finish line. They do all the developing uh, developing of Johnny Boychuk and then they get rid of him for Matt Hendricks and it's like okay. Matt Hendricks ended up having a nice career. Really weirdly good shootout guy. But no Johnny Boychuk though. Yeah. Um I would say recently Drew Hellison um I think is one that really still sticks out where I'm like I'll always be curious what what could have happened there. In Colorado, in Colorado's system, with his nastiness, um, I understand like the Manson thing. Like Hellison couldn't have done it, and he only just now got called up to the Ducks, so it's not like he's been living large out there. Um, but it, it it would just the way that he played and the way that he was coming along, his game was developing in such a way that um, I don't know. Hellison will always be a, a really interesting one for me. Uh, personally, and this is way more like 
not a personal thing. It'd be Malosh for me. And like, I know he's just a seventh D in, in the NHL or whatever, but I always liked him. He was a super cool guy. One of the first people I ever interviewed down with the Eagles. So I, I did really like him. Um, Megan's pulling up a list of 30 players right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's kind of like trying to decide between Justin Barron and Drew Hellison because I've seen Drew Hellison only a couple of times now with the San Diego goals. And it's hard because it is the what could have been conversation with Hellison in a lot of ways that I got to see some more of that realized with Barron that I'm tempted by the unknown with Hellison, but there's a little bit that is known about Barron that I still really like. And both very similarly though, still have a little bit to prove either way but so that's it's basically the question comes down to who would i choose between them and i'm really having a hard time picking um i i still have this i just really appreciated justin Barron. it feels hard not to look at the tools that he has and the runway that he has in front of him and what he still can do with it like i <clears throat> i'm still high on Barron, so Justin Barron and Sean Barron's, but <laughs> I'm low key. I'm glad they're not going to be on the same team. That was going to be a Mark Mosher nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, okay. So Timmons is in the chat and I was like, he's kind of like yeah. made his HL identity more known now. So is he considered a prospect still? I mean, his failure to launch has been so much rooted in injury that it's really hard to talk about for Connor Timmons and what could have been. Yeah, Timmons was, I mean, the end of Timmons' time in Colorado, unfortunately, was that Vegas series, um, which everybody looks back so angrily on, like, of course, right? But, like, Connor Timmons, I think, showed so much grit and metal in that, and, and, like, you know, just mental toughness in that series that he, for him to have played as well as he did, not that he was exceptional, but... He treaded water in a series where a lot of abs drowned. And it was a really interesting showing from him where it was, it, you could just see, you could really just see the all, all of it coming together. And for him to have had the injury issues that he's had since getting traded, it sucks so much. Like, I'm, I, I hate it. I hate it. You always want to, like, win the trade. But they did. They won the Stanley Cup. You want Connor Timmons to be an all-star now. Right. I I hate I also hate it because of the I my least favorite talking point of the Avs inability to develop a player past the first round. That they the the very specific their inability to develop a player that was drafted past the first round, but that they drafted, but also was drafted because the undrafted guy doesn't count. Uh and Timmons was there. He was done. He got to the finish line. He was he's an NHLer. And now it's just injuries have have stolen that. And it's weird that we all name defensemen because there have been no forwards to pick. The forwards have either worked out or it's been a clear cut and no. Yep. Like I can't pick I can't pick Kerfoot here because he was never really a prospect. He was an NHLer for a couple of years and then got moved. Yep. So, you know, it's uh, it's weird that no pro- there's like no forwards for us to pick from in recent Avalanche history. 
Unless you circle back on Tyson Jost. Yeah, which, like, again, he's not really, he, he stopped being a prospect a long, 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 long time ago. Yeah. And just started being, you know, an well, NHLer. I thought we were in that room because of Kerfoot. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, totally. Like, those were those were the options, right? Like, it was like, Kerfoot and Jost were it. Like, that may, like, may, we're stretching for that list. Because they're just, the forwards have been a, just a total dead zone. It's that's the weird and the weirdest thing. Like Oscar Olauson is a first round forward that they've drafted who has like no like hype right now. He's been fine to start the age in his AHL career. Yep. No, I have no issues. I've, I've not been wanting at all. I think he's been good. And from the couple games that I've watched, I think I've got no problems there, but there are so many guys in front of him, including other first rounders. Like, Martin Cout and Shane Bowers are still, you know, what's going on here? You do have Sampo, you know, and then the Jean-Luc Foodie breakout that's happening. Like there's, I think in three years, this, this, this could be maybe even just two years. This could be all forwards. Uh, and right now we're all defensemen because those are the only guys that we've had that have been real options. It's true. Um, we can take some questions from the chat here live as well. One more question from Twitter. Uh, it was, oh, I lost it. Uh, what was it? Uh, the Twitter question is, hang on, I'm pulling it back up. I'm sorry, I'm a slacker. Uh, it was a thing. Do you have it? Because if not, I can, while you find it, I can answer this Joey Hishon question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So, how about Joey Hishon without the head hit? That's a total reimagining of history. He never once got, he didn't even get to pro hockey um, without the, when Braden McNabb concussed him. So, we have, I I mean, we just have no idea. And Hishon even admitted that even once he got through it, like, what, what was it, like a year and a half, two years later? when he finally made his AHL debut for the monsters uh, that he just, he was not the same player. He didn't have the same aggressiveness because they drafted him in the first round. They overdrafted him. It was a whole thing that, you know, he was a guy that was like ranked in the fifties that they drafted in, you know, like what 17th overall or something. And then his D plus one, he kicked ass. He was one of the best players in the OHL. And it's and, and it looked like, oh my gosh, did the Avs seriously get this thing right? And then during the OHL postseason, I believe, is when McNabb hit him. And we just never we just we never got to know. I mean, we it, it's a total what if. We have absolutely no idea. But boy, would this have been the era for a guy like Joey Hishin to have succeeded. You know, a smaller guy a skill guy where the physicality is not, you know, you're not worrying about blindside hits and hits to the head uh, as much as you did 10 years ago. So, yeah, you know, could have been Joey Hishin could have been a lot of fun, but it would, it would be a total, a totally different timeline. Agreed. Uh, the question I was looking for was which team with a hot start is a fraud. I don't know that any of them are necessarily frauds, but I will say Boston is not going to keep up a winning percentage close to 900. 
they're just on a really hot start. They're not that good. Not that they're bad. They're just not the best team ever. That was my answer because I think that just stabilizes. I don't necessarily think they do not have pieces to continue being a competitive team. And I'm so excited for what this has meant for Monty's start back as an NHL coach. But there's even something on Twitter because I, I know Swayman had been dealing with some kind of injury and then the prognosis was updated today. Like, oh, it, he's really coming along better than expected. And they, someone's like, are they performing exorcisms in Boston right now? Like, what are they doing over there to have, have this timeline for recovery and this strong start the way that they have? And I think the Owls need some of whatever Boston's on right now. Yeah, well, some sort of recovery. Of uh, Linus Olmark has been exceptional to start the yeah. year. Just a fucking wall back there. Thank you, sir, for propping up my fantasy team. Uh, I do. I mean, it's easy to look at the top, and you you look at a thirteen and three New Jersey, and you're like, "Well, that shit's not continuing." Yeah, like that's a that feels like a layup. But <laughs> of the teams that are kind of at the top right now, uh, I think the biggest one that feels like smoke and mirrors to me is Winnipeg. Uh, they've got nine wins. Only five of those come in regulation. When you are getting into overtime, you're you're in overtime that many times uh, to start the year. They even have an OTL loss. So you're, you're I mean, you're yeah. talking about a third of their games have gone to extra time right now already. Like, and and you're getting unbelievable goaltending out of Connor Hellebuck. Now they've they've not had Nick Ehlers, but if Nick Ehlers is the difference between them being legit second or third place in the central or a very smoke and mirror second and third place. Like you're, you're just not good enough. Um, Ehlers is a really good player, but he can't be that important to your team. Uh, and it's like, they're two points ahead. They're two points ahead of Colorado. And that's without Colorado having so much of their lineup now to start this season. Uh, and, and that's, so that's one where I, I think um, I look at Winnipeg and I just say, look, they're they're already surviving off of the unsustainability of, of overtime. Um, New Jersey, I think, is actually going to be. I think New Jersey's really good, and I, you know, of course, like New Jersey certainly has the talent. Yeah, and I I think the goaltending will start to level off a little bit. Um. Just because I, I mean, I think the, like their goaltending is like, like fine, but not as good as it's been. Yeah, like sixth best in the league or whatever. Um, but I think I think New Jersey's offense is legit. I think their defense is underrated. I think it's it's solid. So I think that they're probably they're giving they're giving one of those old teams out east a scare this year in Washington and Pittsburgh. Uh, if not the Abs, what team would you most like to win the Stanley Cup? The Islanders. Yeah, we knew that from you. Uh, I I don't really have a second team I'd love to see win the Cup. If you get to the Cup Finals and the Avs aren't in it, I usually root for the team that has either never won or has gone longer without winning one. Unless it was St. Louis. Yeah. Man, did I feel bad rooting for Boston. Even then, like, I didn't mind it. Watching history, like, that's cool. Even though St. Louis can suck it, but... Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there are more teams that I know I don't want to see win a Stanley Cup <laughs> compared to because I, I actually could really be talked into a lot of teams that I would be endeared to pretty easily. Especially uh, if they are pioneer on the team. No, it's just that easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a low key answer here would be Seattle for me as like the That'd ultimate. Be fun ultimate fucking body vegas. vegas yeah i'm here for that <laughs> with vegas because you know vegas being like man we're the expansion for like we're the model everybody loves us and blah, 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 <laughs> like all of our success and then the kraken to do it in like year two and just be like sup they actually <laughs> won it they didn't we just didn't like choke. get there yeah <laughs> yeah they actually won that thing sup what you gonna say sup 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 <laughs> um also like arizona not just for our PHNX homies, but for a market that, like, could you imagine the Stanley Cup final in that arena? And the little 6,000-seat arena? Yeah, that'd be wild. Maybe, maybe, like, the first, like, watch party ever outside that has more like, people than in the arena. Like, like five times larger than yeah. inside the arena? Yeah. Um. God, I can't imagine how much those tickets would cost. <laughs> Dude, those would be like $10,000 tickets, maybe yep. more. Like, I seriously can't imagine it. Um, Arizona, I think, would be super cool. Uh, I'm going to disagree with chat. Calgary is not a good answer. Calgary was a no for me, unfortunately. I'm I'm still on. I If I go my entire lifetime without a Canadian team winning it, I'm cool with that. Here for it, yeah. Mostly, I you know I I don't even like have like this like animus towards Canada. I don't I don't know why I'm on that train, but maybe it's just like their collective misery kind of brings me joy once a year. When the last Canadian team is eliminated, I'm like yes. I feel like the '72 Dolphins. I'm a villain. I'm becoming more of a villain every day. It, I the thing with the Canadian teams is like. It feels a little bit cheap when it's like the Leafs and Habs just absolutely despise each other, but then only one of them's left in the playoffs, and it's like, I guess we're rooting for them now. Like, I don't know how much that actually happens, though. I think this is a thing that Americans think happens, <laughs> and Canadians are like, not really. Like, I there's no way Kay is rooting for Toronto. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like. There's just no Kay would sooner take a shower in battery acid than root for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, see, <laughs> there's no way she would do that. <laughs> so, okay. I, and if it's going to be a Canadian team, I would much rather it be uh, Ottawa or um, uh, Winnipeg. And obviously, like Winnipeg is mostly yeah. because yeah, I don't know that I would, there. I like Z would be unbelievably happy. But I also think like it would be, it would be so cool to see the parade going down Portage, um, going down to like I'm actually familiar with the downtown of that city now, so I'm like I can picture where it would be and what it would be like, and I'm like, man, it would be a really really cool thing to experience to like be there and see that for them. It, they like love the crap out of the jets it's not a very big city it's not a very popular city but they love the crap out of that team and i think it would be pretty cool yeah i that ottawa would be the only one for me that i'd be like 
that that Canadian team can win. It's fine. Well, and and totally inoffensive, but also it would make Maple Leafs fans so mad. <laughs> and I think that rules. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I I really like they're they're kind of hockey's Cubs fans where. Yeah. They're so loud and obnoxious all the time that their futility is almost shocking because you would think a fan base that annoying has actually experienced something um, <laughs> other than pain, but that's not the case. Uh, it's so weird. I don't get it, and and because of it, I don't ever want to root for them. But if they did win it, I would feel like I did when the Cubs did, where I was like, the villain has won, but also I'm happy for these people, people that have... <laughs> Like generations of their family oh, have yeah, grown up sure. miserable in this fandom. No, nothing but awfulness. <laughs> uh, yeah, and like you would just—it would be like you would stop being such a fucking sports hater for a minute, and you could see like people in their eighties who have gone, you know, whatever. How whenever this happens, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I guess if it happens this year, they wouldn't be quite that old, but not far off. But not not quite that old. But it'd be like. <laughs> People have gone their whole lives, a dedicated fan and never seen their team win it. You know, like a thing that the three of us don't have to experience. Nope. You know, like we won't know what it's like to go 60 or 70 years without that team winning something. We just, you know, never seeing a championship in your life. I mean, imagine getting to the finish line, being in your, being in your seventies, you know, you're on the 18th green of life and this is like it for you that would you it's like holding out and you're like i can die tomorrow i'm right i think that's when it's like yep i'm done yeah i have seen everything life has to offer now i don't i don't want to be around next year for them to blow it and screw it all up i just i'm going out on a chip that's it i'm out yeah no i just that would be a thing where it's like it'd be so cool be so cool um okay what is your nightmare cup finals matchup there isn't one in terms of like oh god I have to sit and watch this um maybe like but you can't choose bad teams because they won't make the cup final yeah but maybe like like the Rangers and LA again I don't I think LA is pretty entertaining right now actually I don't, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Minnesota versus anybody would just make me physically sick. Um, which is probably how they felt last year with the Avs, like watching them stomp through the postseason. Uh, All the teams I really hate are in the West. It's, so. yeah. I, Chicago, Detroit would probably get me to light myself on fire. I think that, that would, would be. That I would be just see. I just, I just don't care that much about Detroit anymore. Like, I think Detroit. If the Avs get eliminated somewhere else, and Detroit winning a cup, and those two teams being juggernauts against each other again would be sick. <laughs> let them, let them, be buried in mediocrity forever. <laughs> I don't want a cup final against them because I don't want to lose to them. Well, Never they get over it. They'll win. Never get over it, man. <laughs> that sounds awful. That's why I want it to happen because there's a little extra. 
Anyway. Maybe like maybe like St. Louis and Toronto. St. Louis would be bad. Vegas would be bad. Those are probably the two I would hate the most from the West. <coughs> yeah. Um, See, here we got people out here telling people how to feel again. People need to move on. That rivalry died 20 years ago. Buddy, blow it out your ass. I'm not here for that. I don't I mean, care about Detroit until I don't care about Detroit at all until the Avs play them. And then that hatred comes all the way back. And it lasts for 24 hours and then it's gone again. I I I'm a believer in the rivalries dead, but you know, if you want to hate, you can hate. As long as you're not actually like hating people that don't deserve hate. Like that's all. I mean, look, we're we're talking about second line center options. Dylan Larkin still doesn't have a contract. That'd be fun. I'm just I'm I mean I don't think Steve Eiserman's trading Dylan Larkin. Yeah, I don't think so either. To Colorado, but that guy hits free agency and just wants to roll over here. It's all good. I'll take that. Um it did die when they moved to the east. It's totally true. Yeah. Okay. We're going to we're going to wrap up today's show. We've been going for a while now. So we appreciate all of y'all hanging out. Uh we will be back tomorrow of course with a big event going on. It will be normal pregame. I don't know. It might not be normal pregame. Uh be- I think pregame would still be pretty normal. But for us, because we're supposed to be upstairs and people will still be filtering in and everything. So true. I think pregame will be normal. Everything after that going to yeah. be weird. Watch along. We'll have a bunch of XABs on. So be sure to tune into that if you're not coming down. Uh, and then postgame, we will have some some alumni on as well. So be sure to tune in for all of those shows. We appreciate all of y'all. And uh, until the next time, we will talk to you later. <laughs>